Welcome to this episode of the Enoch Diaries podcast. This is the place where we pray, learn, and process the things God is speaking and showing to us every day. I'm your host, Ami, and I'm so glad you could join me today. If you haven't done so already, please like or subscribe to this channel so you'll never miss any of the great revelations and encouragements we put out regularly. Without further ado, let's jump right in. Amen. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited that you could that you could join me today. Today we're going to be talking about the story of Naaman and also what his story can teach us about our expectations and how our expectations are keeping us from entering into the presence of God. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you are good. Lord, I thank you that you are for us, Lord, that you're not against us. Lord, I thank you that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, oh God. I thank you, Lord, that you'd never leave us nor forsake us. I thank you, Lord, that you are reaching for us constantly, oh God. I thank you, Lord, that you love us with with an everlasting love, oh God. I thank you, Lord, that you are constantly reaching for us, oh God, that you have the ministry of reconciliation that you've put inside of us, oh God, that we would reach for you. And Lord, that we would, that you're calling to us to be reconciled, back to you. And so, Father, I just pray that the words that you've given me to share today, oh God, that it would bless your heart, that it would bless your people, oh God, and that it would help your people to come into a a greater communion and relationship and fellowship with you. Father, I pray that you would anoint this time today, God, that you would anoint the words that come out of my mouth, O Lord, that you would anoint the ears that are going to hear it, O God, and that it would go down deep into our hearts, that we might receive what it is that you're saying, O Lord, and that we would remember it, that we would store it, that we would treasure it, O God, and that we would continue to move forward in our relationship with you, Lord, and not be stagnant. So, Father, I thank you for this time where we can come before you. I thank you for this time where we can hear what it is that you're speaking. And I thank you for this opportunity to humble ourselves before you, O oh God, and to and to hear, to hear what it is that you're saying. So, Father, have your way during this time. Speak to our hearts, O oh God, and um Lord, I pray that we are changed, oh God, that we allow ourselves to be changed by your word and changed by what it is that you're speaking. Have your way. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. So I'm really excited to to share this message with you today. Um, we are going to be talking about the, the story of Naaman. And the, the story of Naaman is found in 2 Kings chapter 5, and it's from 1 all the way down to 19, which really focuses on Naaman finding out about the fact that he can be healed if he goes to Israel, him going to the king of Israel, the king of Syria first, and then the king of Israel, and then him going to the prophet Elisha. And so we pick up this story um, where he's there with Elisha, and he's asking well, Elisha is telling him what he needs to do. Actually, it wasn't even Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger. And how prophetic is that, that God sends a messenger to us to, to tell us how we can be healed? I mean, we've seen it all throughout scripture where God will send his prophets to speak his word. He sent his only son, Jesus, to teach us how to come back to him. He sent out his apostles that they might say, repent and be healed and come back to the presence of God. It is so like God to send us a messenger 
scripture to give us instructions on how to obtain life in him. And so I just want to point that out really quickly that in the story of Naaman, the first time that he comes to Elisha's to Elisha's house, to his dwelling, Elisha doesn't even go to him first. He sends his messenger. And so um, we pick this up in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10. And it says, and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and he went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand all over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abna and the Farpath, excuse my pronunciation, and the Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean. So he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God and all his aides and came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. And now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, as the Lord lives, this is Elisha, he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Naaman said, then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth for your servant will no longer offer burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in this Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the temple of Ramon to worship there. And he leans on my hand and I bow down in the temple of Ramon. When I bow down in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. Then he said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him a short distance. Thank God for, thank God for his word. So the, this story has, this has so much in it, but the part that I wanna focus on is around our expectations. And when you look at Naaman, he, ex he actually clearly said what his expectations were. In verse 11, he says, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me. So first he's upset that Elisha didn't come. He sent his messenger, right? So that's one part. He said, and then he will, surely he'll come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God. So another point that Naaman, and rightly so, God was not God to Naaman yet. He knew God as the Lord for Elisha and for Israel. And so he said, surely he will come out and stand on the, and call, come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. So Naaman had an expectation of what was going to happen. And he was upset when his expectation was not met. What we see here 
is that our expectations, they do a couple of things for us. When we have expectations that we come to the Lord with and they're not met, they actually expose our heart. They expose our the conditions of our heart and they expose what our desires are and what's what's in there. And then it also gives us an opportunity to decide, to decide if if what we value is still worth it, even though our expectations have not been met. And so what I see here is that God is trying to bring us back to that place where our expectations caused us to turn away from the Lord. Naaman, in that moment, because he was expecting something and it didn't happen, he turned and he left in a rage. I believe that there are many of us who God has given us an instruction and he has told us how we can get closer to him and he's told us how we can walk closer to him. And we, because of our expectations, because it's not exactly the way we thought it would be, we have turned away and walked. Now that that doesn't mean that we've walked completely out of the church. You can walk away from a deeper relationship with God and still attend church every Sunday. It just means that you're not willing to go to the place that God has called you to go to receive what he has said and promised for you. And so I would say in that place where God is calling you, where he is saying, hey, this is what you need to do to go deeper with me. It's my prayer that we don't allow anything to keep us from going to that place with the Lord. So another example of this is shown with the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler, he had so much. And the story for him can be found in a few places, but we're going to focus on the one in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. I'll give you a moment to turn there as I turn there myself. So Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31, it says, now as he was standing out on the road, this is Jesus. Now, as he was standing out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know, the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. The rich young ruler he was already serving the Lord. He was somebody that was in our church. You can, you can compare it to somebody in our church right now, or even you yourself in the church, serving God, doing what you know is right to do. And you come to God with a sincere heart saying, Lord, what do I need to do to have eternal life? That means that place where I'm with you always, and I'm not separated from you. And God says, this is what my requirement is. This is the thing that you need in order to walk in eternal life. 
And the rich young ruler, he turned away in that moment because he had great possessions. So in that moment, what happened is that the rich young ruler turned away from God because he didn't judge properly that what the Lord was giving him was more valuable than what he had to give up. And I I say that in our places where God has asked us to give up things and we have turned, we are saying in a sense that, Lord, whatever it is that you're promising me, whatever it is that you're giving me is not worth more than what you're asking me to give up. And we know that, I mean, that breaks my heart just to think about the fact that in my own life, the places where God has called me to go deeper and I've turned and said, oh, I don't really want to do that. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, that's too hard. Oh, I feel silly. All of those things I'm saying that, Lord, what you're asking me to give you is not more valuable than what you're willing to give me. And so I would challenge us all to just sit down and sit with that for a moment and say, Lord, what is it that you're requiring of me? What is it that you're asking of me in this season? And I want to give you some additional encouragement. God says, how can two walk together unless they are agreed? There's a reason why God is asking us to give up certain things. He is not trying to punish us. He's not trying to just strip us bare so that we can just be vulnerable. What he's saying is, I can't walk with you unless we are in agreement. That's in found in Amos 3, 3, where it says, how can two walk together unless they agree? So with, with that in mind, in order for us to walk with God, we've got to be in agreement with him. And how can we be in agreement with him It's through our obedience. God's character does not change. He's not going to change his character and who he is so that he may walk with us. We have to understand that our part is to bend our will, to be obedient and to do what he's called us to do, because that's how we can come into agreement with him. When we put our own will to the side and we and we join with him, and we agree with what his will is, and we put his will above our will. I wanna give you another nugget with that. In that place of agreement, there's also unity. And where there's unity, there is a blessing. And so in Psalms 133, verses one through three, David is saying how beautiful and pleasant it is. Matter of fact, let's turn there because that is a beautiful, that's a beautiful scripture. It says how beautiful and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And that's Psalms 133. Verse one through three, he said, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion for there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. Are you starting to get the theme here that God's taking us into a place of life with him? The rich young ruler asked, how can I enter into eternal life? God's saying, this is what you need to do. And it's about agreement and it's about unity. In Psalms, we're talking about there when there's unity that God commands a blessing, life 
forevermore. And that's what God is trying to get us to. He's trying to bless us, honestly. He is trying to get us to a place where he can bless us. But part of that has to do with our agreement with him. It has to do with our obedience to him. It has to do with our willingness to put our own expectations to the side and go deeper with him as he's asking us to do. My prayer for us is that we would judge whatever God is asking us for as more valuable than what we have to give up. And 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 that is that's the crux of it. Are we going to judge that what God is asking us for is more valuable than what we have to give up? And I believe that just like in the story of Naaman where his servants came to him and said, "If he had asked you to do something great, would you not do it?" How much more so when he says, just go and dip in the river and be cleansed. It's not about us putting our flesh on a pedestal where we promote our flesh and the things that we can do and the works that we can do with our hands. It is about the simplicity of being obedient to what God is calling you to do so that we might enter in, that we might enter in. I want to point out one additional thing. Naaman was told to go and dip himself in the river. We know that water is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying, if you will do this thing, you go in the river and dip yourself seven times. You will be healed. You'll be whole. You'll be cleansed. You'll be washed. You'll be set free of the bondage and the iniquity that you had in the past. That's what Naaman got. When he pushed past his pride and he said, okay, I'm going to be obedient, he received what God had for him. He received what God had for him. And that's what God's trying to do with us. He is trying to cleanse us. He wants to cleanse us. He wants to walk with us and bless us and commune with us. But we've got to be willing to move past our pride and even to repent of the places where we were in pride and enter in. And when we enter in, we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. We are baptized with his presence. We are made whole in him. We're cleansed in him. We're washed in him. Everything that we need, freedom, deliverance, everything that we need is found in him. And we've got to be willing to go past that place. I believe that God is bringing us back to that place where we turned from him before. The place where he said, hey, this is what my requirement is. And we turned and we left and we didn't do what he was requiring of us in that moment. I believe God's giving us another opportunity to listen, to hear the voice of his servants, to hear the voice of his spirit calling to us and saying, hey, remember that thing I told you? Remember that? Remember that requirement I had for you? Why not? What have you got to lose? Honestly, what do you have to lose by doing what God has asked you to do? But you have so much more to gain when you do what he is asking you to do. And so it's my prayer that the God would bring us back to that place where we turned before and that we would make the right decision, that we would judge properly that God is more valuable He's more valuable to us than what he's asking us to give up. So I pray that this message has blessed you. I pray that this message spoke to you. I pray that you, even more so, that you would remember the things that God has asked you to do and that you would go back to that place. Repent. That's the first thing. Repent for walking away. 
Repent for not going deeper. Repent for not valuing what God is giving more than what we were giving up. And then move forward and make that determination in your heart to be obedient to what God is saying and to do what he's asking you to do. I promise you, I promise you there will be a blessing. And more than even my promise, God commands a blessing there. He commands a blessing there. And so I just pray that you would enter into what God has for you through your obedience to what he has said. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Enoch Diaries podcast. I love hearing how the Lord is blessing you. So please head on over to enochdiaries.com to share your testimony. And while you're there, feel free to take a look at some of our other great content. If you haven't done so already, please like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss any of our episodes. And of course, if this blessed you, please share it with a friend. Thanks again for joining and God bless.